and I think that's the important piece for me trying to be a head coach and get to head coaches. Don't act like you've arrived. If you've arrived, you need to get out of it. Today on the show, we are excited to announce Matt Painter is our special guest. Coach Painter is a Fort Wayne, Indiana native and is currently the head coach for the Purdue Boilermakers. Painter played for four years at Purdue University, where he then went on to graduate and begin his coaching career at Washington and Jefferson University in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Painter then transitioned after a year at WJ to Barton University, which ultimately led him to Eastern Illinois, Southern Illinois, and ultimately bringing him back to his roots at Purdue. As a head coach of Purdue, the Boilermakers have gone on to win four Big Ten regular season championships, two Big Ten tournament championships, and numerous NCAA appearances. With four Big Ten Coach of the Year awards, an NABC Coach of the Year, and MVC Coach of the Year awards, we are excited to formally introduce Coach Matt Painter. Dr. Dish Basketball is the number one selling shooting machine in basketball by providing the most innovative game-like training, on-demand workouts, multiplayer stat tracking, and instant analytics that allow coaches and players to be better every day. Everybody's trying to get better every day, right? Why not use Dr. Dish Basketball? All you have to do is mention the Rising Coaches Podcast or you're a member of the Rising Coaches Organization for an exclusive discount on your own personal Dr. Dish. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Rising Coaches Podcast. I'm your host, Doug Caputo, alongside your co-host here, the man, the myth, the legend, Alan Major, <laughs> a big name coach on the show for us today, as he led the Boilermakers to a 29-6 and overall record this past year. And we are truly excited to introduce the current head coach at Purdue University, Coach Matt Painter. Coach Painter, welcome to the Rising Coaches Podcast. Cool. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Good to see you, brother. Good seeing you. To give you kind of a general download, what we'll do, we're going to talk a little bit about your unique journey, just kind of like, you know, where you started, really what got you here. We'll get into a little bit about your motion offense. And then, of course, just kind of, at the, we have a small segment that we call three quick hitters that we'll round up the, round up the show with. But just kind of going back, so starting with your journey, um, I guess first things first, obviously you had a playing career, you played at Purdue University, and then after, you know, graduation, I know you ended up going to Washington Jefferson, and I actually wanted to make sure to bring that out because I'm over at Chatham University in D3, so I'm, I'm, I'm in the conference. But okay. ultimately, before we get to that, what made you get into coaching? Like, what aspects <clears throat> do you love, hate? Yeah. Like, what made you get into coaching? Obviously, you like the game, you know, more than anything. And, you know, you want to keep playing. And obviously everybody has that moment where, like, they tell you you can't come back anymore. And uh, <laughs> your college career's up. And, like, hey, you're, you're, you're running on fumes here, brother. Like, you know, <laughs> I've always just been enamored with the game. Like, I've always liked baseball. I've always liked basketball. I was terrible in baseball, but I really liked it. Basketball was better. You know, Alan, obviously, we were college roommates and stuff. So just like kind of like talking about the game all the time. like yeah. people, And that's who you try to recruit, those guys that work on their game, go to practice, go to study hall, eat, then they go watch basketball. Mm -hmm. And they wake up, no doubt. Day, they talk about basketball, they go to practice, they work out. They It's like Groundhog's Day. They go back home, they watch basketball. Right. You get some right. guys on your team sometimes that like will come back and say, hey, did you see the Ohio State-Michigan game? No, I, I didn't see that. You're like, oh boy, <laughs> why would yeah. you watch it? We play both of them here in about a week and a half. Like, but right. of your guys that you find that are that way. I was just that way. So I was mm -hmm. always into the game and always, you know, wanting to get better, wanting to figure out. At times I wanted to talk about it more than I wanted to play it. Like I just thought like I had all the answers. Yeah. Occasionally occasionally during a timeout, you might Mix mince in a couple words. Like. Yeah, I would always say you know, my, freshman year, my freshman year I didn't play. We had a guy shooting like seventy five percent from the field, Steve Scheffler, and I'd kind of you know find my way into their huddle before they'd meet with our team. I'd say, hey, you know, how about we get it to Chef? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, he's all right. He's okay. He's all right yeah. in there. Yeah. yeah ever no since doubt. that moment, I've I've really like dove into like, hey, let's make sure our best player gets the ball a lot. Like that makes a lot of sense, right? Yeah, no question. And uh, it was a good experience for me. 
being around, you know, good coaches like Gene Cady and Bruce Weber and Tom Ryder, Frank Kendrick, Steve Lavin. So I had a good mm -hmm. college experience. And so, you know, wanting to get into college coaching after that was something that I, I worked some camps. I did different stuff, like just trying to stay in and around the game. And then, and that's, you know, it's been pretty cool for 30 years to, um, no to really never leave a college campus. I grew up on Ball State's campus. I've lived on a college campus my whole life. I love that. And, and the funny thing, I'm so happy you said that because I still get ripped on and I'm, I'm, I'm still a younger coach on that side, but I still get ripped on. Like, are you ever going to graduate? Like I graduated. I'm just always going to be on the college campus. I'm not getting rid of that. So as we mentioned, you graduate, you get into uh, coaching. You started at Washington Jefferson University, um, which is a D3 university in Pittsburgh. And then you go on to Barton and then you're first at Eastern Illinois. But can you talk about like at W&J, at Barton, yeah. what did those D3 schools really help do? You know, you're, yeah. and just kind of go into your journey from there. Yeah, you know, I came as a volunteer assistant. I worked at a big uh, Coke warehouse, like a Coca-Cola warehouse where I drove a forklift. And for a couple months, like I, I wasn't like, hey, you got a degree from Purdue. Let, let's go drive a forklift, right? You know, you're like, <laughs> so I just kind of got some money from graduating and then worked for two months. And my rent was like $150. And so I just was like, hey, I got enough for the rest of the year. Let's lock in here. But it was good. It was a great experience. We won our league, Division Three. We were an at-large into the NCAA tournament. We went to the Elite Eight. You know, we get beat by Wittenberg at Wittenberg to go to the Final Four. It's kind of wow. sad. Just in my mind, like think about like playing North Carolina at North Carolina to go to the Final Four. You're like, hey, right, it's right, gonna be hard yeah. enough anyways. But like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. much for so much for neutral sites. Yeah. So like <laughs> that was an eye opener for us. But we kind of went through the tournament. Like we played at Otterbein in, in Ohio at yep. Otterbein, <laughs> at Otterbein to start, and then we played Kenyon at Kenyon and beat wow. them. And then we played okay. Illinois Wesleyan at Wittenberg to, to go to the Elite Eight. And then we got beat by Wittenberg at Wittenberg. Wisconsin, you know, Bo Ryan School, Platteville yeah. got beat by Wittenberg before that. So it was the first time I'd seen Bo Ryan's team, the swing. So that mm. was cool because I had heard about that, obviously. And, uh, you know, they, they kept their bigs outside and they posted their guards um, yeah. is what I remember. You know, I know right. it's not totally that way, but that's what I remember. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, it was just a really good experience going there. Then I went to Barton College, Division II. We had seven and a half scholarships. A much more talented player. We had a very cohesive group, Division Three. Good group, good dudes, good guys, good players. Mm -hmm. uh, we weren't very deep on our team, but we had a really good, like, nucleus of six, seven guys. It was just a lot of fun. But the talent really picked up when I went to Division Two, To the fact that when I went to Eastern Illinois, we were 500 at Eastern Illinois the year I was there. We were 500 at Barton College, and there was no difference in talent. That, that was an eye-opener to me because I didn't understand yeah. the differences sometimes in levels. And back mm -hmm. then, you had a lot of second-chance guys yeah. that hung in Division Two. You just did. Yeah. Like guys that had to transfer, the guys that, you know, their clock was up against them. Uh, they got in trouble, whatever, whatever, mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. So, But it was, it was a really good experience for me, you know, just across the board. Hey, you know, I've never asked you this and we've been friends, you know, obviously a long time, but, you know, I always knew back at Purdue, you know, we're running around. I always knew you wanted to coach. And I think you probably always knew that too. Like when you got done, like that's the next thing to be closest to the game. You know, right. I know you always knew you wanted to coach. When did you know you wanted to be a head coach? Because yeah. those are different conversations, right? And some guys never had that conversation with themselves. You know, they, they're yeah. just like, it will happen when it happens. Or, you know, right. was there a time or was there a moment where it kind of clicks yeah. in your head? Like, oh, wait a minute. You know, I could, I think I could do this for a little bit. Yeah. Um, not really. I didn't really have that moment just kind of still working, you know, in each job. I wasn't very good at recruiting to start with just because I'd never done it. Like, I could talk basketball. Yeah. You know, I played. I could do workouts. I could – do a scouting report like right away. I just, you know, I just mocked the scouting report that Coach Ryder did at Purdue. Right. And, and then just kind of, you know, Simpli simplif simplified it. Of course. I, simplified it. <laughs> <laughs> I, st I stayed away from the, the short novel, the pamphlet. Um, and I never really talked about it. I just knew, like, if I became a head coach, what I wouldn't do. Mm hmm. Because the things that irritated me as an assistant, I wasn't going to mm -hmm. do that to my assistants. Right. Like I had like a small list of certain things. Yeah. Um, 
And that's what I was kind of building. The one thing that it'll do, uh, just becoming a coach in general and then becoming a head coach, it really humbles you. Like, oh. you, like you you think you know a lot and you don't, you don't know quite as much as you think you do. So like yeah. I've always been like a lifelong learner in that sense. Mm -hmm. Like I've always wanted to know, like I've always been inquisitive as a person. I want to know why you're doing things. And right. at times when like, we were growing up like the eighties and nineties, like we didn't get the why a lot from the people who coached us. Yeah. Yeah. It got it just, a little bit, but we didn't yeah. get it a lot. So yeah. I, it was, yeah. Jumping, jumping how high coach, what do you need yeah, me to do? Exactly. You know? So yeah. I give the why, like if you're in the position that I'm in, you should be able to explain what you're doing. And For so sure. like, yeah, you clearly. Should, clearly. Yes. And you yeah. should be able to make sense. So nothing's ever perfect. So I'm always talking about, this is what I think is best for our team, but here's the downside of it, you know? And so speak about it. Like, don't, don't sit around and say, like, you don't know what can happen. Like if you're, if you're doing your job, you know how somebody's going to beat you, you know, how they're going to get there. That's what some of our tough losses here mm -hmm. like, you know exactly how they're going to get you. And now you do everything in your power to stop that. Right. Right. You don't. That's very frustrating. And that's yeah. very humbling. Yeah, um, for sure. Also, it keeps you grounded. And I think that's the important piece for me trying to be a head coach and get to head coaches. Don't act like you've arrived. If you've yeah. arrived, you need to get out of it. Like, no you know, you, you never arrive and your puzzle is never complete. So I always look at that from recruiting. I always look at that in, in just in a, in a basketball sense, like who you are on a Tuesday isn't who you are on a Wednesday. It just right. isn't. It's right. constantly rolling. It's constantly changing. And you got to, the one thing you have to be great at, you got to know the game. You got to be able to relate to people, but you got to have a great pulse on your team. You're the one that's around them every day. And so yeah. when people speak on your team or they say things and they watch you play half of your games or all of your games, they still only see 10% of what's going on. They oh, see the sure. stuff that's the most important, but they don't see the other 90%. And they don't see yeah. everything that goes into it. You are coaching a team. And so there has to be order. Yeah, it doesn't have to be the army or the navy or things of that nature, but right. it also can't be Keystone Cops and you know going crazy and, and right. You know that that's it, you know I don't think either one of those works. You you just got to have a balance, um, some very simple rules, um, but get out in front of it. Like get out in front of what the issues are going to be. If you've been mm -hmm. around the game for, I've been around the game for thirty five years in, when it comes to college, right? And the coach, so seen a lot. You you know you're you're in the prevention game. You know, mm -hmm. if, if you're going to wait for the fire to get going, sometimes you run out of water. Like you, right. you, you got to prevent fires. And when you can prevent fires and you can limit the distractions and you have a good team and you have people that are hardworking and competitive and, you know, you're, you're, you're going to win more and you're going to lose for sure. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. No, the humbling thing, like, you know, unpack this a little bit, like your first, you probably never, the beauty of year ones is there's never another year one. All right. You know what I mean? So like <laughs> both places you've been a head coach, you know, both at Southern and yeah. at Purdue, you were kind of already internally there. So it wasn't like you mm -hmm. kind of were an outsider and you came in and, you know, it's like you're adopting guys into the yeah. program. You know, you kind of knew what you were stepping into both times. But like talk about that first year. What was the biggest challenge at Purdue in year one? Well, I've had two different, you know, year ones as a head coach. Then I took over a program. Where I was an assistant for five years, we got right. Picked, we got picked fifth in our league, and we won our league by five games. Mm -hmm. So we had a fabulous season. We we ended up getting to thirteenth in the country, got in the NCAA tournament, won our league. It, it was a really good experience. And then I went wow. to Purdue, was an assistant for a year, yeah, and took over. So which is ironic for us because Southern in those two years were very good. So I, I left a team that ended up Chris Lowry took over. And they had yeah. They had some really, you know, some fabulous years. But those first two years where we struggled, you know, they went to the Sweet 16. They might have won a game in the NCAA tournament, but they won their league twice. Mm -hmm. I think he ends up winning the league three times, if I'm not mistaken. We had the worst two-year period, the year I was an assistant, the year I was a head coach, in the history of Purdue basketball. Hmm. Yeah. And so when yeah. you leave a team that you know is going to win and you go there, it's miserable. It's really tough. But I knew right. if I could get through that, and we could build properly, then we could sustain it. We've been able to do that. So we had, we went to the NCAA tournament my second year. We went six straight years. We didn't go for two, mm -hmm. and now eight straight. So we've went 14 out of 16 years. 
But in that first year, you know, probably learned the most that I've learned in coaching just because yeah. we didn't have it. And we had to be really, really good just to be in a game for somebody quality. Yeah. It just it just showed you the margin of error more than right. Ever. Yeah, tiny. Like, yeah. No doubt. But we would win 10-minute segments, 20-minute segments in those games. And that's what I just kept trying to show those guys. Like, mm -hmm. like, but we have a tough time for 40-minute segments. I didn't explain to them that most people play down to their competition. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and you can't say like and guys that's us by the way like you can't yeah. really say that yeah, we, left, we left that chapter out of the book um, <laughs> so but like to me it was like you know find a way like figure it out like, like yeah. find a way to uh, you know don't come don't sit i hate people that complain don't sit there and complain right um, be part of even be though part we of all the, catch ourselves i do it yeah about, I'll yeah, so be, be, be like, part yeah. of the solution, you know. Yeah, you're just complaining, yeah. like, like, quit complaining, like, be part of the solution, you know, get get something done. So, which, yeah. like, to me, in, in, in a surreal way that, you know, the last two years, we've really raised the expectations of this program. So we've been mm -hmm. number one in the country back-to-back -back years. We've won. Right. Last year was the first time we've ever won our league in the tournament in the same year. Um, but we had a catastrophic loss in the NCAA tournament, but we've also had some other tough losses. So, like, mm -hmm. we've raised the expectations. We've gotten to where, like, non-conference, if I reeled off the people we've beaten, it's pretty oh, impressive. No you question. Know, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, North Carolina, Villanova, Gonzaga, Duke, West Virginia. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, we like, and all on neutral courts. And, and so we've really raised the expectation. We've done a better job in recruiting. We've done a better job probably more in evaluating than anything. Mm -hmm. And getting guys that you know we can get, I say it like tongue in cheek, but like when we got into struggles, I was like, "Why am I recruiting against people who cheat?" Like, boy, that's stupid. Yeah, since, yeah. Since we yeah. don't, right? I don't right. think we're going to win these battles. No, no, no. That's a yeah. yeah. Bringing a knife, knife to a gunfight yeah. on that one. And, yeah, and no like <laughs> I don't, I don't see our governing body doing anything about it either. So I'm like, right. hey man, like, right? You know, that's a little harsh, but it's reality, and it's it's 100 true. Yeah, for sure. And it's like. Let's quit doing that. Yeah. Let's just stop doing that. When they get involved in guys that we're recruiting and that recruit sincerely is entertaining them, let's, you know, yeah, like, you already know, you already know what that is. Here. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Let's, let's, let's go somewhere else and shop. That's why and they call like, it, that's why NIL means now it's legal. So that's really helped us in the fact that, like, we've, we've gotten a pulse on that like we've gotten a really good pulse yeah on that but i've also tried to keep our guys in perspective and say the last two years is the best two-year run in the history of purdue basketball so i started my first two years the worst one yeah yeah and now the last two years is the best it doesn't feel that way because of what's happened so yeah. getting them to to understand like what we're doing is actually working mm -hmm. yeah. uh, just yeah. looked at our, our i just had had a, a graphic that was there so we were the number one um, offensive efficient team in the country last year versus top 100 opponents, but versus everybody, we were 12, which makes no sense, right? No yeah. sense. So the lesser teams we haven't played as well against, even though we beat them all last year, except right. one of them, which was obviously yeah. a tournament. Yeah. Um, and then we were 22nd defensively in the country, but against top 100, we were 14. So we're better wow. at offense and defense. It makes no sense. Yeah. It makes no sense. So the better teams we've played, the better we have been in those areas. So right. like really getting your guys like today in my, the seminar when I'm talking to them is just, hey, like we're doing some really good things. Let's For build sure. off of this. We had the number one free throw disparity in the country with the third best rebounding team in the country. Mm -hmm. We committed the fewest fouls in the country. Right. Like those are Love that. Stat. Yeah, yeah. Glaring Love stat. <laughs> when you're getting a bunch of free throws and they're not, yeah, you oh. right away. If you've yeah. got a high offensive rebound percentage, so our, our turnover percentage is what's got to improve, in my opinion. And then just keep enhancing our defense, then our ability to make an open shot. If mm -hmm. like that, that really just we collectively lost our confidence because we were getting what we wanted and we were wide open and we were missing it. Yeah. And that's that's a hard pill to swallow, especially from some people that can shoot. Right. You, know, you, got, you know, yeah, you got some guy out there that can't shoot. 
and he's taking bombs, like that's on you. Yeah, you yeah, don't be surprised. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So I, I over talked there. You're so no, 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 no not at all. There's yeah, no over talking here. The stuff you're sharing is going to hit all angles. I mean, this people listen to this. I mean, there's you know, pro level, high school, college, um, mm -hmm. you know, women's side, youth, it doesn't matter. So, you know, ball is ball at the end of the day. So uh, right. this, this, this is fantastic. And one thing I wanted to make sure to cover, because this one resonates with me, but then I know since we're like rising coaches, we, we reach out and connect to a bunch of coaches from high school, college, <laughs> pro. Everybody talks about the glitz and the glamour. You know, you went from a D3 all the way up to a D1. You're at a high power and you turned Purdue in, into a, you know, a strong basketball organization. Just like on that, some of the struggles that were in there too, because everybody everybody doesn't really want to talk about the struggles moving up in the ranks. I mean, did you right. have some struggles throughout that process? I, I probably did. I just didn't realize it. You know, I, I wasn't trying to move all the time. Mm -hmm. And but you should mm -hmm. have a pulse on that. I think when you play, it gives you a little bit of an advantage, especially if you're in the area where you did play. Just from a name recognition standpoint, like people know who you are. You right. Know, you have to be able to recruit. Like if you're a full time assistant or you're a head coach and one of your struggles is recruiting, man, you're you're in a you're in a tough spot. You're probably in the mm -hmm. wrong profession. I've yet to meet a really good coach with bad players. If you guys find him, let me know, because I've never met him. Yeah, um, me neither. Yeah. So like when yeah. you look at coaches and you got some pretty good players, those guys that keep winning, like and, and, and that's the I think that's the real key. But no, I really didn't get to that where I worried about it. Like I was happy. I wanted to make more money over the poverty level though. Like that was the start, like just to be able to get out of college. Right. 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 First couple of years I was still in college, probably my first three years. And they, they started, my money started to get a little bit better at Eastern Illinois. And you just wanted to live month to month. Like you didn't want anything. You just didn't want to, you know, yeah. max out your credit cards like you did in college a couple of times. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And you don't want to, you, you didn't want a forklift to be your courtesy car. Let's keep it moving, you know? Yeah, All right. no question. So, so to me, that was it. Like I just was trying to get better, trying to improve. I've always liked the basketball piece of it. And, and, and so in understanding different styles, you learn a lot, I think through your conferences that you, co you, you coach against. So like all those leagues that you go to, you, you see different coaches and like you see some really good coaches at division three division two oh man you get to eastern illinois and like you you know we just saw a lot of, i saw a lot of different stuff and you just learn from it and then you get to the missouri valley which when we got to the missouri valley like steve alford was at missouri state you know mm -hmm. kevin stallings was at illinois state jim mullinary was at you know was at bradley yeah. Um, Greg McDermott hadn't gotten to Northern yeah. Iowa yet. Drake Thank had really started taking off, but then Dr. Tom mm -hmm. got there. Yeah. Uh, um, and, and so, like, you just – Jim Cruz was at Evansville. Royce Waltman was at Indiana. Dana, Dana Altman at Creighton. Dana Altman at Creighton. Yeah. Um, Turge ends up coming after the first year at Wichita State. So, like, then obviously oh, I worked for Bruce Weber at Southern Illinois, and Allen was there. And, mm -hmm. and so, like, that to me – I learned a lot in that stretch there, but I, I I'm still learning. Like there's things in 30, you know, my 31st year in coaching, like people like, Oh, where'd you get this? Or where'd you get that? Like, well, I stole that from Tom Izzo. Um, I, I took that from Bo Ryan. I took that from Thad Mata. Obviously mm -hmm. I take a lot from Gene Cady and, and Bruce Weber, just being around them, but through competition. Yeah. Like if I see something and it's just like, and that works and that makes sense or whatever, like I'm, I'm stealing it. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I'm no like I people will look at us offensively and they'll be like, man, love what you guys do. You're so different than everybody else. I'm like, well, I stole 90 percent. <laughs> yeah, right. So, right. Like, yeah. If you want to yeah, call it mine, then cool. Yeah, uh, yeah no. it's fine, but it's yeah. not. Yeah, I've just yeah. packaged love it. it. No I've doubt. just packaged it differently. Mm -hmm. It just comes off looking differently, but it gets to the same actions that everybody else is running to. That's, exactly. that's all it is. Now, we might do some different wrinkles you know, with our post-up stuff, because the game's not as much of a post-up game. Like we'll right. do different stuff there. Like we incorporate that. And anytime I get a chance to speak to somebody, I, you know, I was able to help out with USA basketball and the select team this year. So like, you know, seeing Jeff Van Gundy there and he's had mm -hmm. Yao Ming and, you know, just different guys that have had, you know, size Jim Boylan was there is now assistant with the Pacers. And, yeah. um, you know, he was there when Houston, 
won world championships with, you know, with Dream, mm -hmm. And so like when you're sitting there and you're in the room with a lot of different people and you hear them talk, I always migrate to that, just the actions and the different stuff that they run for the guys that they've had. Yeah. Because great players get, you know, different attention than the good ones. They just do. And so we have sure. a great player on our team. And, and so he gets his attention that he gets is different than everybody else. And so, like, now I want to figure out, like, how I can utilize him the best offensively and also bring the value out of our other players and helping him defensively. He's really made strides defensively and in, in his ball screen defense and his ability to adjust shots and block shots at the rim. Yeah, and, um, yeah. yeah. He'd be the fifth pick of the draft 30 years ago. Like, you know, he's he, like the way they played then is, is absolutely perfect for him. For sure. And now yeah. it's so different that now, but there, there's, a, there's a pretty good athlete in there. There's a pretty good basketball player in there. Mm -hmm. I, I really feel like he has a place in the NBA. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Love that. Yeah. Which, and I mean, that kind of segues us a little bit into just talking about like the offense side of things. So obviously having the, um, you know, the player of the year and, and the big boy, um, Zach, underneath, but just and, and without giving away, you don't have to talk about any strategy. I know you wouldn't, but like just just a little bit about the motion offense, kind of things that you find make it unique. And, and I mean, I know you said you ended up taking some things from other coaches, but yeah, what what what, what makes it unique for you? Yeah, well, we work on it right away and, and put a lot of time into it. We went to more sets because when motion offense, if you don't like some things and you have size, they won't get the ball as much as they should. And so, like sometimes we don't have a, a great low post player. Now, people are probably looking at me crazy about that, but if you go back and look at our teams, we've had good players, but we've had different types of guys. We haven't had Isaac Haas and Zach Eady every time, Caleb Swanigan. Um, but, you know, we, we've had different guys, and we've tried to really run things to their strengths more, more than anything. But we start – our premise of what we start offensively is through motion offense. Mm -hmm. and, and so just understanding about, you know, early ball movement, angles on screens, where to go in your second action. Like it, it, good teams aren't just going to let you do one thing and you're going to score. You right. have to go to the second, the third, the fourth action and just kind of keep playing. So we have rules to it. And uh, we do a lot of down screens in it. We do a lot of back screens in it. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the dribble is going to come into play. So when the dribble comes into play, like what do you do? You know, on dribble throughs, um, do you 45 cut? Do you hold the corner? Do you drift? Like, like mm -hmm. they're just different things. You got to have rules when the ball goes inside. So in motion, you, you know, you really have three aspects around the game. You know, you have your screening action and your rules to that. So we have switching rules um, and our back screens and our down screens. You're in your other screening action. We're obviously going to have ball screens. And then what I call quick hit, quick hit action, which a lot of people will call just get. Um, then you can get into your keep action when you, you know, you don't hand those, you know, the ball off there. So you, mm -hmm. you have that. You got to know your spacing when you get into ball screen and you get into that quick hit action. I always call it clearing the middle or clearing the elbow. You got to clear the, you got to clear the middle. You got to give out space. What happens a lot, and you're probably getting confused because I haven't even gotten to the post up action yet, which is the third piece of it and the rules that you have there, is once you have good spacing and you do different things a lot of people run ball screen motion and they just space and that's all they do we mm -hmm. we are big on changing sides of the court so i want to constantly change sides of the court without running into a post up mm -hmm. so like it, i and i just contradicted myself in what i said so you got to be able mm -hmm. to read it you got to be able to see it we will go a 41 motion where he normally starts out and then gets in and never comes back out mm -hmm. or run a 50 motion, which he's allowed to come in and out. If he's not in, we normally always are running 50, even though like Trey Kaufman runs a pretty good post-up guy. Yeah, he is. And we yeah. try to get the basketball to him as much as possible. So you got your screening rules, you got your dribble penetration rules, and then you got your post-up, you know, rules, what we call post-action. So we'll keep a guy ball side in our post-action. We'll overload a ball side on that. We'll cut a guy through and all we try to do in all three of those things. And it's not, you know, anything that anybody can't watch us play and try to figure out is we're just putting you in three types of three different types of rotations. Mm -hmm. So we're just trying to make you aware. And yeah. Once you're aware and we figure out where you're coming with and who you're coming with. You're going to have to be a well-oiled machine and you're going to have to be physical and you're going to have to be quick and be on it. And then once you do something and have success with this, we normally get away from it and do something different. Um, it's hard for like a, somebody to like see 
like when you watch us play, but we're constantly figuring out how you handle the post and how you handle the double. Like how right. you, how you get the ball to you depends on are you full front and are you three quarters, you're playing behind. So then right. how we run stuff and what we look for right away after a couple of possessions, like we know. Mm -hmm. like, exactly. Yeah, we know right away. It gets the ball. What are you going to do? And so like now we're set into that. So that's a lot of stuff there. So if you don't start early on some of what people will do is they'll have good screening action. And that is the backbone of what they do. And then other people will just have good post up action. And that's right. just what they do. And right. then we have our screening then we have dribble. And so like, you know, we have all those things together mm -hmm. is a, a, a hair overwhelming to start with, but it's really, and we run a lot of plays. And so, we simplify it and how we do it and how we teach it and right. build up through it. It's really the illusion of complexity. It's not complex. Like sometimes like somebody will see it and they'll be like, Oh man, I don't know about that. I just kind of want to do this. Well, yeah. I just want to do that too. But there's like you hit February and when you do that, you can't run shit. Mm -hmm. Like you can't run yeah, it. Right. Like, ah, oh, Michigan state knows everything. Wisconsin. No question. Everything. Like, you're like, so I got tired of that game. I got yeah. tired of that game. So I, 10 years ago, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm recruiting skilled guys. I'm recruiting high IQ guys. Mm -hmm. I want to keep getting these horses and we're going to have a good blend right here, but we're going to run a bunch of shit. We're going to have a lot of fun. Yeah, and, for sure. But I yeah. changed it through NFL films. Like, you know, when you <clears> do that with like Brett Favre and they got the 16 word play. Yeah. You're like, Oh my goodness. Like, how the heck do you know that? Well, you know, the right guard just needs his two words and the, you know, left tackle needs his two words. Yeah, receiver. He, yeah, know, right. Hard, you know, he's got to have all 17 words, right? You know, he's right. got to know all that and know everything and be able to conceptualize everything because he's running the show. Yeah. Like said, why can't we just get it to where everything we call, everything we do has a meaning? Yeah, exactly. So there's no, you yeah, know. Yeah, the word, word describes the action. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and so now we do it in sequence. We do it. And the other team knows it. Like, we know it's not like it's it's hidden. They know yeah. it, but if they can translate it and get it to their team, you know, while a live play is going on. Yeah, no, you, you can't yeah, pull out. Them. You can't. Yeah. You can't. You can't pull out Babel on your phone and translate it. You know, during the game. So <laughs> no, too, no, a little too late at that point. Yeah, so it's kind of created a kind of a mind of its own, or kind of like a game within the game for us. Yeah, we run different stuff usually after ATOs. So what we run during the game, we mix up our ATOs, and so we we have different things coming. Mm -hmm. um in, in different looks just making them you know it, it, it's us being on the same page yeah and, and a lot of people look at it like it's too much or whatever but it's 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 proven to work and so like we we just keep building we just keep yeah. building but we also keep thinking like as it goes on like making sure this is good for for our personnel like changes changes like don't be you know, the best way to say it is like, just take your ego out of it. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I, we, we have offensive coaches, defensive coaches. I oversee everything, but like, you know, when we, when we changed, one of the things for me was I just thought I was making some emotional decisions and that, that weren't benefiting our team. Yeah. And I wanted more of a, not a total prescript, but just someone who's just thinking about that. And right. Not anything else. Or so exactly. offensive guy, he doesn't watch the other end. So mm -hmm. like when, when the other team has the basketball, he's, he's thinking getting, to play ahead. Yeah. Like, and, yeah. And so if we if we get a rebound or we you know get a steal, like we're, we're going in transition and running our secondary stuff. Right. And or trying to have a primary break and just score right away. But then if they score the basket or it's a dead ball, we always have a set. We always yeah. have an out of bounds. We always have a side out of bounds. So we have three boards over there. And it's always there. So, like, you know, you can't predetermine when the ball goes out of bounds, right? So, mm -hmm. when it does go out of bounds, you just grab the board and you lift it up. And, like, that decision's already been made. So, right. the majority of our decisions and what we're going to do and when we're going to do them is made before the game. So, at times it looks like, you know, you're you're not calling a whole lot as a coach. And you get that, right? Because that's what the mm -hmm. announcers say. Like, oh, great call. Yep. Like, my like, well, Technically, my play, I put it in, but I didn't call it. Like right, right, and yeah. they never say, and, and they never say great play to unless the guy scores anyway. No question. <laughs> <laughs> and so like, and it's great, like Al. It's great you say that because like we'll go back and I'll be like, man, I love this play, and they'll say, well, you know, we're two for nine in that play, and I'll say, okay, 
go back on those seven and did we get a good shot? Did you get what you mm-hmm. wanted? Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. then they'll come back and they'll say, oh, okay, we're, we're seven for nine or we're eight for nine because yeah. we've got a good shot. That's okay. The law exactly. averages when you get to 100 possessions. It'll stay, yeah. stay with that. No and question. So I, I read a book um, this summer and it's, it was called Thinking and uh, Thinking in Bets. And it was a World Series of Poker. And it was really good for me because, you know, it's what I'm going through is that we've done a re- lot of really good stuff, but yet mm-hmm. we've had these catastrophic losses. And they called it, um, what was her name? Annie Dukes was her name. And okay. really good book. But they had a thing called, re- they, they talked about called resolving. And just coming from blackjack or coming from po- more poker, because it was mm-hmm. World Series of Poker stuff. And you are going to make really good decisions that have a bad result. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you're going to make bad decisions that have a good result. Yeah. But you play percentages. And sometimes things in our game is tough to quantify, right? Yeah. So like to yeah. get down to say, okay, this is 73% right here. And this is 27%. And you can mm-hmm. live with that. You're going to go on the 73 and you're going For to sure. 73. But if those two decisions that you made that were in the 73% ended up in a bad result, the people that watch us and the people that critique you, Yes. Yeah. Why did you do that? It didn't work the first time. Yeah. But in reality, if you're sitting there in the World Series of Poker and you're at 73 27 and you're going to be like, like, it's a, no, could, bra- it's a no brainer. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah right. It has to affect why I went to the 27. There has to be yeah. something. It can't just be a nudge in my exactly. brain to say, go, go with this. And like the really good ones will be like, I made the right play. It just didn't work out this time. And so like now, like when you kind of get in this, it was really good. It, it was really good because the, the example they used was the, uh, the interception in the Super Bowl from the one yard line. Yeah. Yeah. 65 plays that year in the NFL from the one yard line where they threw the ball. Do you know how many interceptions there were? Two. Zero. Wow. How about that? zero? And, Other clock, than that. <laughs> and the way the clock was set up, if they did run it and they didn't get it, they're going to have a tough time getting that second play. Well, the passing it allows them to pass it that play. If it mm-hmm. doesn't work and they don't inter- get it intercepted, <laughs> now they get to run or they get to pass in the next play. Whereas right. if they run it, they might not have a play, period. Yeah, right. They got to go, they got to go fast with it. So the incomplete exactly. pass. But the percentages say, now they showed like four or five different headlines all across the world. You know, the, the day after the Super Bowl, you know, mm-hmm. worst decision in Super Bowl history or whatever. And yep. he went on to describe it wasn't. And yeah. here's why. And explained it. Now, they don't feel that way, right? They don't, mm-hmm. they don't, they don't, they don't feel no. that way. But exactly. as you sit there and you think about it, it's like, what are you supposed to do? And so for us, you know, with all the analytics <laughs> and shot quality last year, we're the number one team in the country in, in, in shot quality. 360 mm-hmm. teams, whatever the number is. Yeah, number one in the country. So it's like, hey, let's change this. If we're getting the best shot in the country, no, yeah. no, yeah, let's no, don't keep, change keep, that. Yeah, keep yeah, dancing, with, like, keep dancing with that date. Yeah, yeah, you're number one efficiency versus top 100. You're 14 <laughs> defensively in top one. So like we were, you know, we're in a really really good spot, but we're also have a little bit different because our expectations of. of have risen because of yeah. the success that we've had. Now we got to be able to get over that hump and be able to get there. But the process of things doesn't need to really change a whole lot. Yeah, you know, for sure. We just got to grow up. We got to be tougher. We got to be better. Yeah, you know, yeah. Tony Dungy talked about it, you know, and a lot, he says a lot of people won't understand this, but you just got to be better at what you do. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and yeah, it kind of sure. just, if you got your own team and you got stuff, it's like, you know, and I got this from Bo Ryan because he always would talk about it. And like a lot of coaches talk about it, like, hey, like stick to our defensive rules. Stick to our rules. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't have a good answer for you when you don't do what you're supposed to do. Right. Like, hey, coach, right. what should I do here? Well, after you didn't do exactly what we said, <laughs> like, I don't have a good answer. For yeah, you. yeah. Can't help you. Right. Yeah. yeah the right. fires happened. Like, yeah. I don't know if we have enough water to put right. that out. Like, right. so that's the whole, like point of being on the same page and you have wiggle room and you have gray area. Like there's not, but if you're boxing in a ball screen, man, box it in. Yeah. Box it in. Like, like right. put your hands up high. 
Like, mm-hmm. you know, do your job. Like, yeah, for we sure. get in trouble when we get off of those type of things. But like, I'm a big believer in it. I talk about it a lot, but you also, you got to make your hard work fun. Yeah, no doubt. You got to make your hard work fun. Like, no I, I don't care who you are, what level you're at. Like, you mm-hmm. got to get, and the more discipline you have, the more fun you have. Yeah. Some people just like took fun to another level in their mind right there. Like, we're going to Six Flags. Like, this is a competitive <laughs> racket, man. Yeah, right. This right. Is a, this is... This is no question. <laughs> gonna play for keeps, brother. Yeah, like it's good. Like we're getting like I always talk about it in media day, and like every single dude head coach rolls up there and says, "Oh yeah, we had a good summer or whatever." And I'm like, I just want one guy to walk up there and say, "You know what? We had a really shitty summer, and guys <laughs> were hurt." Right. Not listening to me. Right, had to got cancel couple, our foreign trip. A, yeah. yeah, I got a couple uncles that are like. You know, right. want to know the role their kid, like their nephews, play. like you know, like we'll be listening to your interviews for the Yeah, we had a really shitty summer, man. God, it was terrible, but I really like our guys. I think we're yeah, gonna like yeah, can't no, wait for the season. No yeah, right. Great, but like who you are, like in that worst moment, who you are in adversity, like man, learn to face it. Mm-hmm. Like, learn to face sure. it. Like, the last thing I wanted to do is go to the Final Four. Like, you get beat by a number 16 seed. I mean, golly, you can't get enough covers in the world, right? Right. Like, like I'm going under the covers, and, like, a, it's not a sleep. It's, like, more of a hibernation. Yeah, no, that's it. <laughs> yeah, like, hey, uh, where's wit- he been wit- for four months? He's been hibernating. Yeah. Like he's, witness, witness protection. Witness protection. Yeah. Hide the sharp yeah. objects. But it's no like, hey, man, like, face it. Yeah. Like, face it. Like, obviously, sure. I did go to the Final Four. Like, you know, you, you go, hey, tough. You know how many people mm-hmm. would love to be in our position? Like tough. Oh, yeah. Like oh, you gosh. fought like hell to get in there, and then like, yeah, you did it as a coach. It's uh, hey, that's what it says in my mirror at home. You did mm-hmm. it. Like you know, fix it. Like and, right. and that's what. But our issue was, we knew what was coming. Like it wasn't like we were sitting there acting like you know we were you know yes yeah, surprised like, yeah like we were playing yeah. the Washington Generals like right. you know what I mean? like we we knew like hey. This team and every team in this tournament can beat us. Mm-hmm. And, we, and we understood that. We always understand that. So when it happens, people look at you like, well, why didn't you like, you know, do this and do we did. Yeah. We did. Exactly. Still end up, it's called competition. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No question. No question. And then I guess real quick, because obviously we want to be respectful of your time too. Like when when you're teaching the kids this motion offense, I mean, do you find it beneficial to do like breakdown drills? Do you do live play? Yeah. A little bit of both? Yeah, yeah. You you teach the part, then you teach the whole. Okay. So the one thing that you have to understand when you go five on zero, if you can't do it versus nobody, you definitely can't do it versus somebody. Yeah. So no like doubt. make them talk, make them think, make them go. I stop them every time they make a mistake. And then I get to a certain point and say, when you do make a mistake, you got to keep moving. You got to keep playing. You can't stop. You got to keep going. So I want them to know the deal. And then after a while, I want them to make mistakes and get out of it on their own and and just balance. We can't balance everything by setting a ball screen. Like we got to have ball movement. If you just, Mm -hmm. if you let defenses just sit on you and don't show different looks and do different things, I hope you got the best lead guard in the country. Whew. If you don't, like, we've gotten really good in college basketball at playing ball screen defense because that's what we see the most of. Now, Mm -hmm. with that being said, you know, it's still a hell of a tool, right, because it's hard to guard, but we're getting better and better and better. That's why I like mixing things up. So if you just run ball screen motion and then you get against somebody that's great at guarding it and they do, where do you go if you don't have anything else? Mm -hmm. You know where you go? You go to the bus with a cold pizza that doesn't taste very good. Right. Corn, cold pizza and warm Pepsis. No yeah. doubt. And you're lucky yeah. to get the Pepsi. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, I just want to have stuff that I can go to. Like, I just want because teams aren't sometimes at a high level experience guarding different things. Mm-hmm. And so, but you got to be careful that you're not overdoing it. Like you got to have, that's why, that's why our evaluation is important. You got to have dudes that have the capacity to be able to take it in. If right. they don't have the capacity to take it in, you're wasting your time. Yeah, no doubt. And so that's why the skill level for us is important. Um, the IQ is important. This is another thing I want to talk about that I've mentioned here lately with our staff. And uh, the people that are skilled, 
have put more time into the game than the people that aren't skilled. Just think about it. For Take sure. a good shooter and a bad shooter. Go on any team you've ever coached and just think about it. Like the guys that are skilled, like you just don't like you're not born skilled. Like you got yeah. time, you got to put in work. Those guys will seem to care a little bit more. Now, their role definition can be sticky because they're skilled and they believe in themselves. Right. So that can sometimes be a little different, but don't ever dispute the fact that they put in a lot of time. So I love the skill piece of it because they're just more invested than the people that aren't skilled. No it doesn't doubt. mean that somebody is not, you know, seven, one non-skilled athletic and, you know, we're not going to use him to, you know, <laughs> yeah. Rem protect. And yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. We're, not <laughs> we're just saying like, he's probably the guy, when we say who watched Ohio State, Michigan, he's probably the guy that, that, that caught a good movie. Let's just get down to it, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah right. Probably. And, 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 and <laughs> yeah. let's find out what that movie was. So we right. got something to watch after the Ohio State, Michigan game. <laughs> Maybe it was Coach Carter. Maybe he was getting some benefit out of it or something. No doubt. There you go. Chips. There you go. <laughs> now, what we'll get to is we'll kind of cut to a little segment like we, we like to call a three quick hitter. So basically, what we're going to do is we're just going to shoot three basic questions at you, answer them uh, short, quick responses. We'll go boom, 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 and then we'll uh, wrap up the call. We have a question we like to ask everybody, and then we'll be all good from there. Okay? Cool. All right. First one we're going to shoot, we're going to go, what would you be doing if you weren't in the basketball industry? If I wasn't a college basketball coach, I'd be a high school basketball coach, but that's still in the industry. <laughs> that's st- <laughs> um, I'd probably be in some sort of sales. Okay. I've been dealing with people, pharmaceutical sales, something like that to where. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Damn sure not back to the forklift. That's for I was sure. thinking it, but I didn't want to say it. No, don't. Yeah, yeah. No, I'll say it, but I knew that wasn't an option. So <laughs> that's the only reason I said it, because we're not going back to that. Mm. Yeah. That, that, that thing had its place and we're moving on. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's, your, what's your favorite family tradition? Anything? Uh, see, we we just bought a lake house and like I grew up like playing football, playing baseball, playing basketball. And we did nothing like that. Like we like we didn't have a lake house. I don't know how to fish. I don't hunt. I don't don't know how to drive a boat. Like we got two jet skis right now. I've never been on them. We've had them right. for two years. Like, it looks pretty cool, and other people are on them. But <laughs> right. hey, glad I could buy them. So you can <laughs> enjoy. Yeah, let enjoy. me know how. Man, let me know how uh, it was. I'm sure if, she, if something happens, you won't sue me, right? Yeah, sure. We just were around sports. I played in a third grade league as a kindergartner. My dad coached us in the YBA, so I played YMCA basketball and boys club basketball until I was like fifth grade, sixth grade. Always played baseball up until ninth grade, uh, played football up until ninth grade. So like that, that's really kind of when we did yeah. Easter egg hunts when I was a little kid, we hit, we hit, we hit baseball cards. So like wow. instead of having the eggs, we hit baseball cards cause I was a baseball card collector. Yeah. Okay. So mm. that's yeah. what it looks and like then... when I, go- that's what it looks like when I golf now an Easter egg hunt. <laughs> <laughs> I hit a white ball into the woods, but I found a pink one over here. So we'll play this one. There you go. Give it a good kick. Um, and then last one, what's your favorite quality about yourself? So, I don't know if you have a favorite. I have a favorite quality about other people, but I don't have a like favorite quality. I think you have more things like about yourself that makes you kind of like eerie and skittish. Like, like who likes looking in the mirror and seeing themselves or hearing like I, that drives me crazy. Like when I hear my own voice, like we'll have like a game and I'll come back home and like they always have a pizza. So you bring your pizza back home and put it in the oven. You know, whoever wants some of that pizza there, it's great. Then all of a sudden, like the highlights will come on. And like all of a sudden, go from the highlights and you want to see it because you haven't seen it yet. So you right. just want And it's always a different look, like how you see it standing up in a game versus, you know, what the, the camera shot, TV shot is. And so I'll just like be watching it. Then all of a sudden, I'll come on. Like they're interviewing me, then or whatever, and I'll just like move out of the room because I don't like like seeing myself or hearing myself. Like that's, but I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people are that way. They don't talk about it, but most mm-hmm. people are kind of that way. So I don't like have like a quality. You know, we do personality testing, and the one thing that really jumped out to me was, I'm going to do anything and everything in my power to help you mm-hmm. within the confines of what's best for our team. Right, like I'm, I really am. But mm-hmm. I do know this, like I can fix myself a lot better than I can fix you. Right. 
but I have to be honest with myself. And mm-hmm. so that's really what it allowed me to do is like, I had a perspective of who I was and it wasn't the same of what other people thought of me. Mm-hmm. And so, and then I was just like, well, damn, like I'm messed up. No, that's, that's self. Yeah. That's yeah, right. For anybody to do yeah. is because we have this vision of who we want to be. And sometimes we can get there, but most of the time we don't. Right. Um, so I think that's just kind of striving to try to be like, like the, the best person you can be or the best friend you can be to help other people. And within it, like if we can improve basketball wise, like great, but like at times I don't know if I'm a great coach, but like, I do know I care about them and I want them to do well, but they're not mm-hmm. going to reach the level or the goals that they want if I'm not honest with them. And so like sometimes yeah. that's a hard line in the, in the sand that you have to draw. And sometimes it can be very diplomatic. Sometimes it can be tough. But I know this, collecting, saying that to somebody, you're doing them an injustice. Like you have right. to be honest and frank with them. You don't have to show them up all the time. You don't have that. Mm-hmm. I think that, that gets lost. Like just like be honest, be whatever. But if they refuse to listen to you at times, you have to go to the next measure to get that point across to like, right. hey, like, like getting a, a scholarship to Purdue, like should you have a good career and a great experience without question, but that should be a stepping stone to a great life more than anything. Exactly. Like yeah. Opportunity in your life doesn't get any better. You made some catastrophic poor decisions. Like, yeah, yeah. And that's what you want to instill in them to where like, you know, it's kind of like as a young kid, like you, you know, you think your old man's a dipshit by the things he says to you. Like, then all of a sudden you turn 28, 29, 30 years old and you realize your old man wasn't a dipshit anymore. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, older you get, the smarter they get. Yeah, and so like <laughs> the things he had to say to you and the, how harsh it was, they don't care because that's his yeah. kid. He'll, right. do, he'll say what he wants to his own kid. Well, just treat those players like they're yours. Yeah, no doubt. Like don't be afraid to say harsh things to them when it hurts their feelings and it does whatever if it's better for them and explain the why mm-hmm. explain the why then circle back the next day and say i got you i got that i was tough on you i got that you you know right want to hit me here like I, I got all that but here's why like like here's mm-hmm. here, here's why i've explained this to you three or four times and i've told you the why and now like you're, you're not going in that direction you're not even looking in that direction and and, and when we're not doing that we're simply yeah. not doing that because that's not what's best for you as a person or it's not best for you as a player because it's not best for our team, whatever it might be on or off the court. So I think yeah. that piece of everything is what you owe players. You, you owe sure. them that honesty and you owe them that discipline. With the rules and everything changing, like I think coaches are more leery of guys leaving. And so instilling that discipline, I think, has been harder. It's mm-hmm. been a lot harder. It hasn't been harder for me. Um, because we, we, we haven't had a lot of transfers and stuff because I think we've done a good job evaluating and finding people that fit at our place. Um, right. it, it could come find us just like it comes find anybody else. But, like, that's what they need. Like, 99.8% and 9% of these guys aren't pros. Mm-hmm. They're not professional basketball players. Right. Even though we don't want to take that away from them in that dream, let's, let's keep things, you know. But if they're jumping around all the time and they're playing for three, four schools – and they've been loyal to nobody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. Just it's it, it it just causes a dynamic that 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 lends to not as many people having the success that they should have. So hopefully we can get some things fixed in our game. And then the final question we have, and we ask all coaches that are on this call. Um, so primarily it is what is the best and number one piece of advice for young rising coaches who are trying to get their foot in the door. Um, and be able to learn more, and how can they accomplish that? I think to accomplish that, I think you, you can't have one answer there. To accomplish it, like you got to be hardworking, you got to be loyal, you got to be around the game. Like you just, you have to get to clinics, you have to get to camps, you got to just do everything in your power to get around people that have done it, um, people that have the same dreams that you have, you know, but mm-hmm. learn from other coaches, learn from players. Then, to climb in the business, be around good players. Amen. Yeah. 
be around no good players. Like if you got a all-star deal, like you got like whatever, and there's a, like an elite type thing, work it. If you can, if you got to go the AAU route and you're an assistant high school coach, work it, mm-hmm. do both. Get to a good high school where you got college coaches coming in, get to an AAU program where they're going to recruit the guys. Just keep being around the game but keep being around good players. If you're constantly just coaching and it's your dream and you're around bad players all the time, you're, you're going to get around. Yeah. If, you're, <laughs> if your goal is to get to a high level, you're. I mean, it's going to be really, really hard. Just yeah. keep, let people keep seeing your face. Then the other thing that gets lost, know what the hell you're doing. Like, a basketball yeah. coach, you know what you should be really good at? Coaching basketball. <laughs> right. Like, you know, right. like I said earlier, it humbles us all. Like, you know, we you, you have your moments, you have your times, you learn from it, you do whatever. Mm-hmm. But like I like I still go to clinics and like and I don't speak at some of them. Some of them I do. But yeah. like if, if I'm I'm trying to learn, man. Yeah. To get better. I'm I'm trying to like sure. and so and a lot of times it confirms what you're doing. Like you know what I mean? And that's a good thing. Because you mm-hmm. should always challenge. Like it's like a hypothesis. You should always challenge a hypothesis. Like, and now, like, is this thing going to be sustainable? Like, is this going to be sustainable? Well, this is one thing you haven't done yet. This is another thing that you've done a lot of. Like, you should still be like, okay, we're just going to go to this. Well, why are you going to go to it? Well, that, that that just hasn't worked for us. Like, no, you're, you're not making any sense there. Yeah, like, you got it from a pragmatic standpoint. Like, you got to be able to look at things and dissect things with what you've done in the past and with your personnel and within your league, you know, so forth and so on. So I think that's a big piece of it. Cause some guys will just, you know, grease all the right tracks and they'll move up in the business. They'll be like, Oh man, like this dude's sharp, he's polished. And he's right. coaching basketball. Right. Like, right. you know what I mean? He's still- yeah, no, right. advancing overtook getting better. Yes. Yes. And so like, like then you'll see the, right. we see the opposite a lot. And you'll see some guy at an NAI level or Division three level, and you'll be like, he did none of that, but he mm-hmm. is a big-time basketball coach. No doubt. You see it a bunch. Like, 100%. you see it, you're like, golly, I went to Division two school um, down in North Carolina, and there was like two or three coaches in that league. I was like, wow, like mm-hmm. these dudes here, <laughs> like they run good stuff. They're disciplined. It's a well-oiled machine. Like, yeah. man, like, you know, when we went to Southern Illinois and we went to Creighton, and we ran the old Johnny Orb. Al McGuire stuff with the, the the double cutters and coming yeah, through. Yeah, 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 yeah. Elbow, of, elbow, elbow catch. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He had so many different wrinkles and stuff. I mean, it was just a well oiled. I'm like, I was so impressed with it. So what I did when I got an assistant who ran it when I got to Purdue, I started to kind of wanted to run some of it, and I just said, you know what, it's too much. It's absolutely mm-hmm. too much. So we made it as a setup from our out of bounds plays. So mm-hmm. we got into it. So we just ran it as that. So we ran 20 different things off one alignment and right. out of bounds plays. And I got tired of like trying to run out of bounds stuff and always trying to just get something right away. So this allowed us to get it in, reverse it, reverse it. Yeah. Now, yeah. Now we run to stuff, but it's just something that I stole from Dana Altman and he stole from Johnny Orr and he stole from Al McGuire. And right. I don't know right. Al McGuire stole from James. Nathan. I don't know. Um, right. But right. it's like, those are the type of things of like learning from other people. Yeah. So I think having that balance of, I think there's enough people out there that are doing it straight up. So for a young coach, like, like, that's what I want. Like, I want to like, like my comp isn't the people in our business that are cheating like that. That's not my, that, that don't, don't, don't mm-hmm. compare me to them. Right. We don't, we don't do the same things. It's like exactly. comparing baseball to, and that's our sport. That's like comparing baseball to cricket. Cause it's that different, even though yeah. you've got to compete against them. Yeah, for sure. Like that. So for me to like say to a young coach or do whatever is like, just be a lifelong learner, like be loyal, be honest, um, circle yourself around good people, but treat people the right way and learn the game. Yeah. There you go. Perfect. Love yeah. It. And I mean, that's basically it. Does anybody have anything else to, to kind of wrap up? And then if not, um, we can kind of go from there, but anybody got any final comments or anything? Appreciate you, brother. Uh, oh, no yeah. problem. Thanks yeah. for having me on. Have a, have a great, uh, first practice flow and, uh, Keep everybody healthy and upright. There we go. All right, guys. (laughs) See ya. Awesome. All right, man. See ya.
Well, that's right, it. Brother. Thank you. That's it for us today with Rising Coaches. Want to be sure to thank you again, Coach Painter, um, and sharing your expertise. We look forward to watching this season. And I'm your host, Doug Caputo, alongside Alan Major. Keep working and keep rising, coaches. Thank you. Video analysis is expensive, and I'm sure your budget isn't getting much bigger. Fulcrum Tech is here to help. Used by basketball teams at all levels from D1, D2, D3, all the way to high school. Their Angles product is similar to what you know and allows you to code, capture, and analyze with ease. All you have to do is import the raw video and Synergy with just the click of a mouse. Over the past two years, over 60% of their D1 teams and conferences, such as the SEC, Pac-12, American, A-10, or even the NBC, just to name a few, have made the postseason. All this while saving thousands and thousands of dollars a year compared to their old companies. Because let's be honest, who doesn't want to save more money? All you have to do is reach out to at Fulcrum Tech on Twitter or reach out to their sales at sales at fulcrumtech.com via email and be sure to mention if you are a Rising Coaches member or the Rising Coaches podcast. Do more, spend less with Fulcrum Tech. I want to thank all our listeners for tuning in with us this episode. If you are not a member, want more content, or even be a potential member on our member spotlight to have your story heard, go visit risingcoaches.com. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and X at Rising Coaches. And don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating, and review so we can continue to keep rising together.